Hey everybody, Jason here. Before we get started with this preview for Endeavor Deep Sea with the designer Carl DeVisser, wanted to give everybody a flag that we recorded this in September of 2022 for a potential release date in January of 2023. So we've mentioned that date a couple of times. It's actually April. So I'm dropping this episode in April. The GameFound project is either in a pre-launch or it is live as you listen to this episode. So if you want to check out Endeavor Deep Sea, go ahead and check the show notes. A link directly to the GameFound page is there. Once again, Endeavor Deep Sea will be live on GameFound in April. On to the show. Hello and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And also welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so, so much for stopping by for this latest game chat. Uh, this one I am super excited about. If you watch my channel, Shelf Stories, I already did a video on this. And I'm going to do this video. And I'm going to do another video. It's just a really exciting project. Uh, so this was a follow-up to a video I did, oh my goodness, 18 months ago. So at this point, uh, talking about uh, Endeavor Age of Sail. So I had my criticisms of that game and many people did. And so the designers and publishers decided to go back under the hood, reiterate, re-implement, reimagine the entire engine. And we are now on the precipice next year on GameFound. See, I got it in, Helena. Nice and early. GameFound next year, early in January. We are going to get Endeavor Deep Sea, which is a whole new product. We're going to get all into that. I am so happy to be joined by one of the co-designers of Endeavor, Age of Sail, and Deep Sea, coming at you from down below, Carl DeVisser, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. So uh, this was a little bit because uh, time zones and Zoom yeah. and all that kind of stuff, but we are here, and I am so excited to get into this. So on Shelf Stories, we like talking about people. We like talking about getting people's stories. Uh, tell the people a little bit about your own background in gaming and game design. Okay. Um, so my name's Carl DeVisser. Um, I've been into playing games since I was a young child um, and got very much into, you know, sort of Dungeons and Dragons when I was 11. And um, that's the right answer, very... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, role playing is the right answer. People have a feel with some weird type of way about Dungeons and Dragons, but definitely role playing. Good stuff. Yeah. And then when I had sort of university, um, discovered uh, Euro games, which were, you know, these these cool things you could sit down with and, and play in a very quick period of time like played settlers and then played a, a, another bunch of games um like it and you know played it with me university friends and stuff and got very very much into that um and yeah um, a lot of my life ended up devoted to games um, i went off and then did my postgrad in strategic studies which um is obliquely related to games like it was the closest i could get to you know it, it doesn't cover games at all it's sort of um development of strategy and defense and that kind of thing but to me it was like well this is the closest i could find to to doing games at the time mm -hmm. and um then you know tried making my own board game for a while um and only ever really succeeded getting one published when i sort of worked with someone else which has been a uh you know a feature of my life all the best things i've done have been sort of collaborations mm -hmm. so uh, me and Jarrett worked on uh endeavor and we were lucky enough to to 
get that published. So Jared um, Gray is the co-designer, a fellow uh, person from Down Under. Uh, so that was, uh, they were supposed to join. Uh, we're doing the best that we can here. Uh, but yeah, uh, there, there is the co-designer. They're our team. Uh, and they have been doing this for a very, very long time together, which is great to see. Yeah. Um, and then sort of after after Endeavor ended up getting into um, making computer games. So I worked for a company called Grinding Gear Games on a game called Path of Exile uh, for a while. I sort of did a little bit of sort of board game design in the background but it was like if you do game design during the day it's sort of suddenly hard to go home and do game design as well right. um, and then Jarrett ended up getting into the video game business as well with a company called Aurora 44 um, but uh, we're, we've been real keen re-collaborating on Endeavor Deep Sea recently so mm -hmm. it's been pretty right. cool so um, for those of us who don't know anything, <laughs> uh, we're going to assume no knowledge because I mean, I don't think we've covered uh, Endeavor, uh, Age of Sail at least, on the One Stop Co-op Shop. Let's start there. Let's just start with what kind of game it was. Uh, I mean, as you can still get it, you know, I, I don't know if there's still like, there's still copies you can float around, but just to, at the very high level, tell us what Endeavor, Age of Sail is all about, at least on a mechanical level. Okay. So um, Endeavor, Age of Sail is... Um, a a game about colonization so it is very literally and del deliberately about colonization out loud uh, not <laughs> accidental i've talked about this in, with uh, the game puerto rico we'll get into this in a second puerto rico was kind of an accidental co uh, colonization game they didn't really mean it uh, it was you know supposed to be an economic game uh this is a colonization game we are going to get into the difference but tell us about uh what you did to implement mechanically a colonization yeah. experience um so you start off um as as sort of like small powers in Europe um, and you claim cities and um, ship out and uh, sort of build your way out, ship your way out to discover other parts of the map. And then as soon as you've discovered them, um, you sort of go into them and claim cities and, and grab cards, which sort of represent the sort of the wealth of area of the area um and by the end of the game you as the players have pretty much uh discovered and taken you know sort of all the other bits outside europe and then you sort of tally up and see who did that the best mm -hmm. uh so area control uh some card uh, uh so card driven uh so to speak mm -hmm. okay uh and then you know, there were some reiterations uh, and you know, I, I bet the feedback came. You had some cards that that represented kind of you know slavery. You had this kind of push pull where you could have you know uh, you get the you know engaging them and get points. And then I mean, we don't have to go into all that, but it was a lot of um, back and forth, right? <laughs> when it came to the design of Age of Sail, yeah. right? was it was yeah, it kind so of a, a thing that you had to kind of constantly monitor along the way? Um, so the very earliest version we did was way more complicated and like sort of took six hours to play and um, <laughs> no. yeah yeah and, and and occasionally people say oh you should make that one again and it's like no no it was really really overbearing but it had um a lot more of the like little bits of history um deliberately um embedded in it like it was much more obviously storied and stuff um and then it sort of got abstracted down and, and at the time the the german style and euro games which were aiming to be similar to um were very cut down and elegant like now now we think of euro games as these things with these 20 page rule books like back then four to eight was you know considered considered what you were meant to do 
Um, so a lot of it got abstracted down. Um, um, and in fact, the the slavery element is probably one of the few bits where the where the sort of elements of it are explicitly called out and like sort of named on on the cards. Yeah. Um, and, and is actually a lot of what um, a lot of the discussion about the game has been in the last few years is about the, the sort of slavery mechanics and how we handle those specifically. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, the colonization aspect, I think one of the, the big telling bits of that is, and, th and this was quite deliberate, was that you, you sort of start building your institutions to take or to, you know, go out into an area and exploit it. Um, and you literally run it out. You run out all the cards and you mm. take all the cities and then you've got this sort of set of institutions literally designed for this task. So everyone sort of focuses on the next area and, you know, forces it open and goes in and exploits it. Mm -hmm. So rough theme, but cool mechanisms. <laughs> yes. I think that's one of those things that really, uh, I, I'm very sensitive to that, right? And so people know I'm out, you know, doing the cultures code soaping thing. And I never want to say, that these games are not worth it or these games are like shouldn't be made or whatever it is like there's something about the and this is what gets into like what makes a colonization game like mechanically there's something about the rush to get to a place right so it's like okay you get to a place you empty it out and then there's like a or even if you don't empty it, i just want to claim it and then there's like a rush i gotta get there to before the next person gets there right and like the original puerto rico and a couple of other euro games are more sedate Right, uh, Catan, eh, you know, it's it's kind of back and forth in terms of the rush because of the game is slower. But like a really full blooded, full throated colonization game had that kind of like um, I must get there, and that's kind of how the scramble happened in the real life. So like that's kind of evoking real life. So talk a little bit about that. Like I mean, again, we're we're moving on from that. I don't want to spend too much time. Um, I imagine something like it is survives in the new game. So I want to understand that sense of rush that you wanted to right. incorporate into the old game and and eventually how it would be ported to the new. So, I mean, certainly at, at the time, I believed you could sardonically play colonizers and both play them and, and think they were bad, right. you know. Um, now, now I've, like, these days I think it's much, you know, I both think it's much harder to do that without intrinsically glorying it. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, but also at, at the time, and I've thought about this a bit since why, why do we, were we interested in colonization? Like come from New Zealand, New Zealand is a, a colonized country. Um, I come from Christchurch, which is part of Canterbury and literally the New Zealand company was the the big institution that colonized that area and it literally said let's bring up a strata of english mm. you know like middle class upper class lower class and literally port them over um and you know if i think about the school i went to it was a boys school and it was very much you know had prefects and and had a fair bit of bullying endemic to it sort of and it's like if i think right. back to it it's like oh yeah this is literally one of these colonizing institutions that were kind of building your little 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 you know managers or whatever in that school um so i think part of that sort of was and then i went off and did a history degree and that also you know had an interest in like well how did this happen and mm -hmm. the colonization periods 
um, insane at many levels. <laughs> so yeah. I suspect in some reason that was probably the interest in it. Um, but as well as that, there was a lot of accident, like you noted, accidental colonization in games. So we'd played um, a few games and it was like, you know, well, if we're going to have colonization, what would it look like? Um, Struggle of Empires by Martin Wallace was actually an influence because um, there are elements of that which were well handled and things like the slavery in Struggle of Empires, it seemed a bit easy, like it was mm -hmm. like there's technically a downside to it, but it's kind of presented as a right. a general good, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, Martin Wallace games. You uh, like they. It, you always have a negative points in Martin Wallace games, so like they kind of like shoehorn the difficult thing into what he normally does. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so there was um, um, some thought to you know the colonization side of it and how we'd present it. And I always feel a little bit hurt when people say, "Oh, it's just got this pasted on theme." They should have oh, made no, it space no. themed, right, right. and it was like, no, no, it was quite deliberate. And if it was space, it would have been very obviously the same kind of thing so right. right and that's what i get and that's what i'm getting in terms of the the rush like i think of i think of verbs right every game is a verb and when you're talking about the setting you're talking about the noun of the game and the noun is very fungible right you can make different themes and everything and you know i could i could turn puerto rico into a game about selling a bodega <laughs> i could turn it into about you know all sorts of things uh when it comes to a game i think uh twilight imperium is also like this uh like the the sense of you know, racing to get something, claiming it and exploiting it and then moving on to the next thing, that's baked in. Like it can't be a lot of other things. Right. Uh and so I'm guessing like Endeavor Age of Sale, that's what stood out to me about it. Like it's from the bones. Like, you know, this is what you wanted to do. But so so congratulations, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> you did what you wanted to do. And then it and then so you say before, like, you know, before it'd be like sardonically playing and then it's like, eh, I kind of just don't want to do it. So yeah, I mean, I guess like you know, was there a point, maybe in the last couple of years, where you and Jared, or maybe what some of the game designers just said, you know what, let's just go in a different direction? How did that all play out? Yeah. Um, so, well, well, I've been, I'm very glad we made Endeavor, and I've enjoyed some of the discussions around it. There, there are definitely aspects that are, you know, it, it's harder to not become more uncomfortable with. Like when you suddenly, like it was even, you know. Um, quite a while ago, the first person I saw online saying, well, I'm not going to play this with my family mm. because of the slavery thing. It's like, it's we're only literally two generations away from that. And then there's that like kind of, oh yeah, for a good proportion of the, mm. you know, the world population, this is very real. And it's kind of embarrassing that just sort of, we didn't think about that it's going to be on someone's table and it's going to be like, well, I ain't doing this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then history-wise, there's elements where I tried to, we tried to be very true to history as we understood it at the time, but now it's like, well, we didn't do India very well. Mm. It, India had like 25% of the world GDP before this happened. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, my understanding is at the time it was not that a big a deal as a place, but now the history is very clear. It was like... Mm -hmm. India was huge and extremely right. negatively affected by colonization. Right. I mean, Columbus was going to want to go to India. <laughs> There's a reason why he wanted to go to India. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having read some of the, the stuff about uh, like cotton, where um, it wasn't just that they got cotton 
from India to to Britain while setting up industrialization, like to still compete with the Muslim Muslim um the you know the cloth Muslim um they broke the thumbs of the weavers so they'd stop using the cotton to make this higher quality cloth. Like it right. you know, it wasn't just an economic takeover. It was like no, we're going to completely remove you as a competitor and make sure we're the only people buying cotton kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's like you, you, at a high level, and this is what board gamers are, right? Board gamers, they don't want to deal with the, the, the nuts. They don't want to know how the sausage is made. <laughs> you stay at the high level. You're playing your save. You're playing your stuff. It's a good time. But A, looking under the hood, it's like, okay, that's not great. And B, thinking about the audience. You know, thinking about because and I've and I've gotten to know this more and more as I got to know more and more designers. I think a lot of designers want to know that their game is being played by families. You know, like you like I, you would see your game in front of a family, and all you want to do is is for the person that fun with that game. And I think a lot of gamers go, "Well, this is an opportunity to have difficult conversations." And the designers like, "No, I want to be playing it. <laughs> I want to have fun." So I guess all that kind of came together. Uh, for both of you and uh, for everybody else involved in the project, I imagine. Yeah. And, and I enjoy like historical games. I've definitely got a lot of games with uncomfortable themes. Like I've got, you know, sort of war games where oh, sure. neither side's comfortable, but um, I, I do think that's a, a tricky thing to do well. Um, like there are definitely games that handle it better than others. Um, but also as, as a, a sort of, a, a relatively mass market euro game is like is that you know it's starting to less mm -hmm. look like the appropriate place to do that right mass market uh, that's what I, I tell people over and over again puerto rico is a mass market game and there is a mass market game like there's certain things that you know like oh well we should have difficult games yes we should have difficult games but they should be niche you know, mm. I'm sorry. They should be niche. They should be clearly labeled and let people understand what they're getting into. So, you know, it's much different when you're going for a wide audience with families and all kind of thing. Good. Yeah. Um. So then, the how long did it take to arrive at the new theme? Um, that took a while. Um, so there was definitely um a desire to to do something new with Endeavor. And it would, you know, definitely have to be new. But actually finding something that worked um, and and wasn't just a reskin, um, like actually finding something where we're um, using the core engine because we feel the core engine's very sound and yeah. we did good there, but isn't just, oh, yeah, I can totally tell this is a colonization game. And that's, as noted before, remarkably hard to remove. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm like because it's kind of built in there like so right i mean and by uh, colonization what we mean is like you know the rush to get resources and you know extracting a bunch of whatever's there and then moving on to the next thing and like there is a definite sense of like the verb of the game is very strong and so it's like it takes, takes a long time to find the right fit and i and and to be clear and i um i was not clear on this and i want to make this really clear for peoples this is not the same game this is not just a reskin this is not just like a theme swap like i did with puerto rico or like the, a couple other games just kind of like theme swapping uh i think they try to do it with new frontiers like let's just put it in space uh they that's a seems to be a way to solve some of these things endeavor deep sea is not that endeavor deep sea is taking a lot of work <laughs> and it's got a whole new thing right yeah so i mean we did play around with the idea of even looking at um early south pacific expansion like sort of pre-european expansion and then then there was like 
that's interesting, but it's kind of hard to do it well. And it's not really our story to tell. Like, right. even if, if we got, you know, outside help. Mm. Um, so like the Mari and the Tongans and the, all the Polynesian peoples that, pop, that populated all the different islands. This was like in the, I guess, 11th, 12th centuries where all that happened. Yeah. And then there was like discussions of like various competitive things like, you know, mountain climbing or something, you know, there were a whole lot of themes mm. that, that we looked at. Um, and uh, I think deep sea is, it is actually one we kind of discussed earlier and then it had kind of come back and then it was like, well, how do we do this well? So um, for the theming, we very much wanted it to be like an optimistic near future. Yeah. So, so this is a this is a humanity that's got its stuff together, and it's going out there to make stuff better. And there's a little bit of kind of competition, but we're not evil corporations, and we're not, you know, colonizing countries. We're a bunch of people out there to to you know make the world better, and there will be some competition and. Mm -hmm. No doubt, there's still, you know, um, some some monetary stuff at play, but we're not really, you know, focusing on that. And it's like, okay, so what would it be if we had a group of people um, out there to do scientific research in the oceans and improve things and do a bunch of conservation efforts, clean up mm -hmm. where there's been damage done kind of thing? Okay, so us, let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Because... Uh, I know it on a high level, like you say, like, so we talk about DC as this kind of conservation game. And so in, in um, Endeavor Age of Sail, you had your different zones and you kind of reach the zone, you, like you said before, you extract and that kind of thing. So does the board play out in a somewhat similar way where there's like zones? And then I, and it, it I had, and you know, if I'm competing a science, I'm not competing a scientist, I have to get there first in order to get whatever it is, the notoriety or, or clean it up or whatever it is. Uh, do I get fame? <laughs> Am I racing for fame? Is that be the most famous conservation? Right. Is that, is so, that so we're we're keeping. There's a strong discovery aspect to it. So there is still we're searching out there now. How this works is we've got a little bunch of subboards, and you start with you know a few out already. Um, and rather than the areas you're going to having discovery tracks, we've got these little short discovery tracks which sort of let you. Um, discover more of the ocean so you're, you're sort of going out a little bit but mostly deeper uh, finding what's there um, there is still a bit of a, a race to be the people making the sort of you know getting out there and having the biggest impact on things um, which is what we're going with sort of for our points as you're like out there to have impact um, mm. um, and you sort of develop your specialists your people um, so you've you've got sort of your discs are uh, sort of your workers, and then the equivalent of the buildings are your specialists, which have the specific roles that allow you to sort of take the actions and, mm -hmm. and do various things on the board. Mm -hmm. uh, every designer w would love to go back into their original design and be like, oh, if I could just go back again. It sounds like you have the opportunity, you know, with the, you had the first game. Uh, were there things in the first game that it's like, oh man, I, you know, if I could go back again, <laughs> if I could turn back time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly with with um, even even the the Z Man endeavor to the to the Age of Sail version, there were very few rule changes we did, but there was definitely a temptation to you know um, change stuff up. 
a little bit more. Uh, the, I think we ended up with about three rule changes, so there was actually very little change between them. So they were essentially, you know, sort of the same. Um, but it is actually quite fun to get in there and really mess with the mechanics again and mess with them in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, exactly what we're doing. And I, I, I really fun to get into the iteration of being able to, you know, let's tr- try this and um, because we're doing this in quite a bit of collaboration with with uh, Burnt Island Games as well, I think there's mm-hmm. a bit of a nervousness from them each time me and Jared are like, oh, we could tear it all apart and start again <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> so, I mean, Taco, I mean, I obviously you can't talk too much about it, but like, you know, the original Age of Sale was like this big old grandiose six-hour thing. And I remember reading one of the designer diaries at the time where – you know, again, stripping it to the studs and, you know, kind of reimagining it and making it kind of simpler, more streamlined. Uh, I mean, is what are, are there overall things that you're looking to like bring in uh, and, you know, to really highlight so that people can get a sense for what they what they can look forward to when they back uh, Deep Sea? Um, so one thing we actually had very, very on the early on versions were um, a bunch of subboards that kind of like built out a map of the world. So it's quite nice to be able to have the, um, and it's a bit different, but it is like the fact that there's a growing board and it's a bit different each time. Um, that's that's pretty cool to get mm. into. Um, so like a, uh, a sense of a changing world, like a real discovery as opposed to kind of like telling us we're discovering stuff, we're actually discovering stuff. That's right, yeah, yeah. Good. You, <laughs> One of my biggest things is like, come on, if I'm discovering things, I mean, give me a, a little bit of surprise. And you can add modularity that way too. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit more on the, um, like we've really been having quite fun sort of playing with the engine of like the specialist so at the moment as well as getting your specialist every turn um you can you can upgrade your specialists you you basically flip them over and they improve um and at the moment that's very much tied to the the research in the game like they it's basically um you you publish a paper um and that's what upgrades your specialist to the other side so um yeah so but a lot of the engine has been kept the main thing that's changed on the on the four tracks is uh the final track which is now what like sort of gives you more vessels to move around and you have literal vessels that you move around on the board and allows you to go deeper under the sea so currently that's called ingenuity and it is like to get to the sort of deepest five five tiles down you need to get that all the way up to ten and all the you know, sort of really impressive stuff is sort of deepest in the sea. Love that. Uh, solo. The original game did not have solo. Apparently this one is planned to have a solo mode. Uh, is that true? And if so, is that coming along? Uh, yes, it is definitely true. And it is coming along. Um, so so part of this is the modularity of the board allows us a bit more control of this, always the sort of the right amount of stuff Um out there um part of this because there was a deliberate we deliberately didn't want it to be you're not out there um building your stuff on the board you're very much more like you're on a mission and you're sort of focused on that and um we've had a few different discussions of exactly how to do the single player at one point it was going to be you keep going until you've sort of done everything and then how long does that take you but we'll Mm. probably end up with a more um mission focused version of that um 
Um, so solos work quite well. And we've actually also done a lot of testing with two player. Two player works a lot better than it mm. um than an endeavor. So a lot of the competition in endeavor essentially relied on a lot of people being interested in competing in the same stuff. And you kind of had to have a um imaginary ghost player who's competing for stuff to really build the tension for two players. Um, but at the moment, like two player works very well. Like um tested it two player a few times and and you know there, there's plenty to keep you engaged in there. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh how's the reception been so far? I mean the, when you get these rethemes uh, and it's like, you know, obviously this is one of those noteworthy game colonization and there's a core of gamers that love those themes and they want to play Age of, you know, colonization. They want to play Civ, Civ Myers, all that kind of thing. And a, that core of gamers sometimes feels like they're having something important taken away from them when you get these ch- theme changes. So I don't know if you observe that when uh, with the announcement of Deep Sea and some of the conversation. Uh, no, so far it's been all all pretty positive. The, like the main question from people who haven't seen anything of it is: is this just sort of a retheme or a different game? And I think a different game is appealing. Like, I think there's recognition recognition that the engine has a bit of can do a bunch of stuff if it was put to different things. And and I think with like Age of Expansion, which was essentially um, Jarrett's expansion based on just basically redoing all all the buildings um which is sort of the core of that it's like clear that the engine can do a completely different thing and still kind of be the same game but play out differently mm-hmm. um now people who played it at gen con so we got a lot of we didn't go ourselves but um burnt island guys did uh we got this ton of feedback so um and it has that exact moment of everyone was really into it here's all the things wrong with it kind of thing, which is that, <laughs> you know, which, which is good. Yeah, yeah. There's this, this kind of thing with testing where you're good enough to be wrong. Right. Um, like if everyone plays your game and says it's wonderful, you're probably in trouble. Right. As soon as it's good enough that people take it seriously, it's like, oh, I loved it. Here's 50 things I hated. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, so there was a lot of very positive feedback, but it was interesting. A lot of, the the euro game sort of feedback was let my let my board position matter more right. you know give me some points for for that yeah. um which it's like we can't ignore that it's like you know if if we published it as is that will definitely be feedback that comes in um but on the other hand it was like you know we we're kind of like it's not about you holding territory. That was like a very deliberate decision. You know, it's right. not, it's not. Um, but people want to hold territory. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's it's deep in the gamer DNA. So like, you know, if I get a big map and I get to discover stuff and I want it to matter that I'm there, you know? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And and there's various ways we can do that. Um, and, and we had some recommendations, but we kind of want to, um, see what we can do without it being you know so it's still really clearly sort of fitting our original design goals with it right so we're recording this in september uh i'm not i have to talk with helena about when uh they want to uh, post this thing uh but we are definitely headed towards a january release these things are very very hard to change uh so we're getting a project in flux 
right? And so, I mean, obviously there's some things that are going to be uh, nailed down, but for the most part, it's still in a, uh, in a pretty open, exciting thing. I mean, do you look forward to interacting with backers? Uh, I, I, how did that go last time? It was Endeavor, did Endeavor go to Kickstarter, the previous versions, or were they? Uh, um, so the very first one was through Z-Man as a retail game. Um, and it was interesting, the difference between, between when, when Endeavor first came out, I don't, there wasn't really a sort of a Kickstarter scene um but but that was quite interesting that was also previewed at gen con which was quite interesting um there's always been a gen con <laughs> well it's also like we kind of missed the the first release window we kind of missed because it wasn't going to be shown off at gen con and it, and it was literally um david z-man was like i don't want to do this unless we show it off at gen con so it kind of waited a right. year and in that year which we did do some development on it worker placement games that came out and they like literally didn't exist before that right <laughs> and it was suddenly we're all being compared we've been compared to worker placement games so it was interesting how much gene con affected that mm. um with age of sale that was very much a kickstarter um and i really enjoy watching a kickstarter go but boy i'm glad we weren't dealing with it personally that there's there was right. a published to handle because like it's it's more than a, it's a month of full on work for someone nearly 24 hours a day kind of yeah. thing. Like they're, they're a huge deal. I really appreciate them. I'm glad I'm not doing that myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The talent doesn't have to deal with that too much. It's a, not as a publisher. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are people who do do it all. Um, mm -hmm. Like um, Shem also right. from New Zealand with, um the yeah, architects okay. and all those sort of games he's kind of a had, had been doing that sort of thing one man band he's like you know i don't yeah. think he sleeps talk about shem phillips uh the viscounts and architects of the west kingdom and all that kind of thing yeah um but also as well as then the market had grown a lot more so while there were a lot of those sort of games when endeavor first came out the market had grown a lot like so the kickstarter was um what for us seemed huge you know it was much bigger than originally and the there are just more board gamers these days than there used to be right um which i also think kind of plays into that like it was a bit more of a niche hobby at the time and is now way more mass market and 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 brick and mortar stores kind of thing mm. um so yeah. Okay. Now i don't remember where we originally got down that track but <laughs> well i mean just the, the um the feedback Cause that's what the Kickstarter yeah. is, is great at in terms of like people say making suggestions. Like I just talked with uh, Gabe Barrett uh, who, uh, who's doing a Kickstarter now and like literally changing the game based on all the Kickstarter feedback. Uh, so I don't know how much exactly uh, that happens, but be, with the game being made, you know, and, and I I'm excited about that because that's the original point of Kickstarter. Kickstarter is not this place where you just like, uh, it shouldn't be a place that's a pre-order system. Right. Yeah. It, so, it should so, be more of a place where, you know, there's a little bit more participation and the game can change based on feedback. So um, imagine that, that we're going to get that a little bit. with Yeah. People. That being said, for the January Game Found, we do want there to be the ability for people to basically fully look at the game and have all the rules written and have it all there. Um, and, you know, so one, that makes the feedback better if people can literally, you know, my ideal personally, I'm not sure exactly. Um, what what the plan is from Burn Island Games, but my ideal is you have people play the game and we have something on Tabletop Simulator and they really get into it. So we have to have it ready enough for that. Right. 
Um, and and that is indeed wonderful for getting feedback as well as really showing off your game and earning someone pre-ordering because um, I'm always very uncomfortable if if when there's a Kickstarter for a board game and it's not like you can't see the rules and like that's sort of you know how far along is this really kind of thing so so I'd want it to be pretty honed by then but um, and the, the feedback was definitely we're very close from the Gen Con stuff but we were like well some of these issues we want to deal with we probably want to do moderately large changes so there's that kind of um you know you might we're close to a local maxima but there might be you know if we make some bigger changes we might be able to make it even better kind of thing excellent so once again I, we say the word kickstarter because like you know it's like kleenex or q-tip it's a brand and this is not on kickstarter it's on GameFound, right uh so then GameFound, we're talking about january uh we are looking at a new uh, version of Endeavor, which is extremely, extremely exciting. Uh, as we close down the interview, uh, I think we hit a lot of the points that I wanted to hit, but is there, um, especially in terms of like the, like it's the same mechanism and, and Endeavor Age of Sale uh, definitely had that engine that was very exciting to people uh, in terms of like, you know, the, the discovery and the claiming and the claiming of territory and the kind of impulse to, you know, keep on going. So, uh, and then also the, the forward looking theme. Like, you know, you want to sing optimistic, which really, please, <laughs> uh, enough nostalgia, enough like looking back at the 15th century. Let's look forward. Uh, that's for me. So then is there anything that you want to leave the gamers with? Uh, something that you just say, okay, this is the big pitch. Uh, please consider my game. Or have we covered uh, a, a lot of it already? I think we've covered a lot of it. I'm, I think it's it's got a lot of the core engine of um, Endeavor. In fact, a lot of the early feedback we had was from people who had played Endeavor and they can immediately um, get into the game very easily. Like so, so the engine is there. You'll recognize the tracks and you'll recognize some of the actions, but you'll know how actions work. There, there's a few new actions and a couple of old ones, um, but it is very much a a, a different game. Um, and uh, I think I think whether you've played Endeavor or you haven't played Endeavor, there will definitely be something there for you. Absolutely. All right, Carl DeVisa, thank you so much for joining the show. Appreciate your time. Cool. Thank you. We can change your mind and change the world, people. So until next time, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.